thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks, Gary and Kath, for that this morning, and Ben for recording. It's been great to hear from people about loving our communities. Um, I want to encourage you to keep going with what you're doing. It's fantastic work, and um, you know we really do appreciate all you're doing. And whatever, wherever you're at in your community, keep loving that community. Whether it's you know in a in a home, as a as simply as a husband or a wife, whatever you're doing, you know keep loving where you're at. Okay, and um, this morning I want to speak about building a great community. And, um, you know, the word great's just been, you know, I've been musing on it for, for quite a while. And I just want to use that word this morning to talk about, you know, there are many great things in this world. We can have great experiences. We can um, have great times with people. We can have great friendships. Um, we can go to great places. Most of the time at the moment, we're limited with where we, we you know, maybe you've got a great place, a great memory that you, the, the, the experiences of life. And obviously, sometimes life isn't always easy, but we can have great moments you know i remember going to the great pyramids of giza i had the privilege of going there just seeing this you know these huge stones that have been you know uh, built up to you know to, to honor these uh, pharaohs you know also you've got the great wall of china who's ever been there i've never been there um i know you can even see it from space 21 thousand kilometers long what an astronomical thing it's a great wall but i want to talk this morning about a great um community but actually I think we're part of something the Bible teaches us which um, is bigger than just our community. We're actually part of a kingdom. We're part of a great kingdom. And I want to start off this morning just talking about what I believe the Bible teaches us, who this great king is, that we're a part of his kingdom. Now, what it means is if we're part of the kingdom, there's a king and there'd be a, a dominion. So what in the Old Testament, whatever that king said, whatever he decided, his values he would establish and that kingdom would be real, ruled through his words and his beliefs and his values. And in, in for us today, you know, maybe in the New Testament, we struggle to understand this king thing because we don't really have a king that rules like that but actually the bible teaches that there's a king and there's a dominion whose authority we can come out under and i want to encourage you this morning is learn to trust this king and come under his values and come under his beliefs and come under his rule and his power because if you do you'll come under his presence and um, there's so much of a blessing and benefits to be with him it's not a perfect world but there are benefits to come under that kingdom. So I want to just briefly touch on this king this morning and what some of his attributes are. Now I want to read a scripture from Lamentations from 3.22. It's Jeremiah probably writing this and the people of God had been exiled and um, you know that probably what they thought was going to be a great community and a great city in Jerusalem had been kind of uh, knocked down a bit and the people had been taken. and So it didn't always look that good, but Jeremiah writes these words. He says, because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail so in all of these difficulties he's able to reflect on this God who is full of great love and that's the first attribute I want to share about this great king this great king has a great love for his people says they are new every morning great is your faithfulness this Jeremiah reflecting on the faithfulness of God even though circumstances are difficult. And then he makes this declaration, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait on him. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're listening, you're going through difficult times, um, you know, make God your portion. No matter what, what, what's happening, make God your portion. And you can do that by faith. You can do that by reflecting on him and his faithfulness in the scriptures and be reminded what he's done um, on the cross with Jesus. And 1 John 3 um, 
1 John 3 verse 1 says this. See what great love. Do you see God's great love this morning? See what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. So in the Old Testament, we see God's love. And in the New Testament, we see God's love. And um, God is a God of love. John writes, God is love. And I want to encourage you this morning, no matter where you're at, to be reminded again. Or you know, sometimes you wonder where God is and what's happening because circumstances don't always go out. God is a God of love and God loves you and is faithful. And you can depend on his love and his promises. You can depend on the king's words that he is faithful and his motivation is love for you, no matter what's happening. The second attribute I want to just mention, especially from the Old Testament to help us understand some context, this God, this king, has a great anger. Now, just bear with me on this, because, you know, God's anger um, is not necessarily for ind- against individuals, but it's against the consequences, it's their, their, um, their behavior sometimes, their motivations that actually don't love. So when we're talking about this, we should always be, uh, remind ourselves that God's motivation when dealing with people is always in love. But he does have a great anger. Jeremiah 21 verse 5, this is God saying when he's fed up with people's sins and their, the consequences, he says this. I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and a mighty arm in furious anger and in great wrath. So God actually, he does not like sin because the consequences of sin ultimately are death. And he doesn't want to lose each uh, and every one of us he do, because he loves us. So God hates sin because sin separates us from him. And he does not want to be separated from us. He actually, just, just think about that for a second. You know, if you've got somebody you love and maybe you've lost them, that separation causes so much pain. It can cause worry, anxiety that you've lost them. Or maybe you've you've lost a child for, for a few minutes. Think how much fear that creates in it. You know, if you lost them forever, how much, how much pain that would cause. That's why God hates separation. He hates sin. And sin has separated us from God. Now, we'll look at the good news in a minute, but it's important to understand that God does hate some things. He's angry against things, but his motivation is always love. His third attribute I want to touch on is this. Romans 3.17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Now his third attribute I want to talk about, it is his great mercy. Because of God's great love, even though he's angry with some things, he's going to deal with these things. You know, if God wasn't angry about sin, he'd have just gone, ah, let's forget about it. You know, you know, apathetic, just not bothered, no passion to deal with it. But because God loves us and because God hates sin, he's going to deal with it. And he deals with it through Jesus Christ. I'll read that again for the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. The dominion of this world was over us like a dome because of sin. But then because of Jesus says, but even greater is the wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. 
I find this amazing that, you know, we can we can receive God's mercy. God is offering mercy. He's full of mercy and he's full of kindness. So them are the three attributes I wanted to touch about what this king is like. He's his great love, his great anger, but his great mercy that is available for us all. Now, so what do we do with that? Now, now, if you've never done this, you can put your faith in Jesus. You can receive forgiveness and you can receive what's called salvation. Jesus, the word Jesus means to save. Jesus came to save. And you can do that by putting your faith in this great king that is available for all of us. And when we do that, we come under the dominion, the rule or the governance of this king and his values and his presence or maybe you're here and you, you are a believer you say well how does this apply for me well maybe there are some things that you can bring under um, the dominion of the king maybe you've done some things you know aren't pleasing to God and you know would probably make him angry but his mercy is available for us it's new every morning so let us just turn away from them things and say you know what God I thank you that you forgive me I receive your forgiveness I'm going to choose not to do them give me the strength give me the power to walk away from them things they're not good for me they're not healthy for me and they're not healthy for my relationships so today I'm going to choose Jesus to bring them under maybe it's to do with your finance maybe it's to do with your attitude maybe it's to do with your your willpower I'm, I'm refusing to do what I know is right and I need to just let go of that and surrender that over to God. So this great king, he's great love, great anger, great mercy that's available for each and every one of us. So I want to just briefly briefly touch on this great king, but what he's done for us now in developing and establishing a great kingdom. You know, if you look in the Old Testament, there were many kings that tried to bring dominion and some of them did well, some of them didn't do well. And, uh, you know, David was a great king. He sinned and he got it right at times. He got it wrong at times. And he, and he established a great kingdom. But his son Solomon came and then he made mistakes. And then we have, a, you know, after him, another king, his son, and he makes mistakes. So we see, you know, things going okay and they're not so good. But with Jesus, we have a king who is consistent and faithful. And I, and, and I want to just talk on Jesus a little bit because... In the Old Testament, it's impossible for God to break in and see his kingdom established. But with Jesus, Jesus has caused breakthrough. Jesus has caused it that we can build great kingdom and see God's kingdom rule in people's lives. So I want to just briefly touch on this because if it wasn't for God's great love, we wouldn't have Jesus. If it wasn't for God's great anger... We wouldn't have Jesus. And if it wasn't for God's great mercy, we wouldn't have Jesus. But because of God's great love and because of his anger and because of his mercy, we have Jesus. And Jesus is the one on the cross that has made this possible. And, um, you know, we, we can pray this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, you know, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But God wants to bring that rule of his kingdom into your life in all areas of your life. You know, the Bible teaches that God is righteous. He's full of righteousness and he wants to bring righteousness into your life. He wants to bring holiness in your life because these are the things that will benefit you. 
You know, and we have a choice what we do. Do we allow righteousness into our lives? Do we listen to the king and do we establish right, righteousness? With righteousness comes peace. We want peace, then we learn to, to, to first of all receive the righteousness of God and be made right with God. You know, in the Old Testament, God's presence was in a temple and that presence of God was not couldn't come out because of man was, you know, was sinful. And if God's presence came out that was righteous and holy, it would destroy man because man had sin in his life. So God separated it with a curtain. And this curtain, only um, now and again, a priest would be able to come and offer a sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sin. Um, and then that would be put on the altar. Then the priest could go and, and, and experience God's presence. Then could come in so that they could know God's peace and God's presence. For the, and the blessing would um, lie on God's people. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus came to remove that. And it's important to understand this, that God was angry because he didn't want to be separated from us. Can you imagine being separated for a little time? Can you imagine, um, you know, just not knowing people for a certain period of your life and missing people? It makes us, it hurts. And it's the same with God. So God wanted to come and deal with that and remove this separation and, the, and, and he needed to deal with sin. So when Jesus dies on that cross, Jesus is dealing with our sin and he's dealing with the wrath of God, the anger of God. That's why when Jeremiah says, and he says to Jeremiah, I will come and deal with you with an outstretched hand. You know, Jesus's hands were stretched out on the cross, you know, and the wrath of God, the anger of God was put upon Jesus. You know, and he, he was torn. He, he, he shed, you know, blood on that cross for me and you for the forgiveness of sins. And, you know, in, in that temple, the curtain, it says when Jesus was crucified, it was torn from the top to the bottom all the way down. Now, why is that significant? Now, you know, you can see that no, no human hand tore that. It was done from the top. So it represents that God did it. But also... I don't know about you, but if I was going to take a curtain down in my house, um, I'm just thinking how I'd take it down. I think I'd probably get, you know, a wobbly chair. Most of us do when we've got to stand on something. We don't do that at work. You know, we, we follow our risk assessment, but it, and we'll find a table or something and put some, and we tend to get a wobbly. It's always a wobbly chair. And you'll get on, you'll get a screwdriver. Maybe it's a blind or whatever. You take it down and you get up there and you're screwing it down. You take it down carefully. You take the pole off and you get the curtain or you fold it down. You put it because you know you can give it to someone or you can take it to the charity shop. So you're trying to make it look good. So you put it down so somebody else can have it after. But with God, God doesn't take his curtains down like that. God just rips them down. I don't know about you, but I, I read this and I thought, you know, you think God has got an order. He did just take them down carefully and folded them up and put them on the side. So why does God tear them down? And I believe this, to understand this, is this, is God wanted to destroy that. You know, if we if he had put it down on the side and said it was folded, we'd a little bit, of, maybe we'd have been, been a bit like this. When's God going to put that curtain back up again? Because I know it's not. It's still there. The curtain's still there. So if I make mistakes, what's God going to do? He's going to put the curtain back up and separate me. But God didn't do that. God destroyed that separation once and for all. And I want to encourage you this morning to understand the kingdom. The, the, the separation has been torn. The dominion of the king now has been, um, it, it, he's released his presence. He's released forgiveness because Jesus was torn on that cross for you. He needed to be torn so the blood could be poured out. So forgiveness would be made available for each and every one of us. And that's why Jesus, this great king, came into the world so the kingdom of God could be poured out into your life. 
the peace of God could be made available. The righteousness of God, the gift of God, breakthrough happens because of Jesus' sacrifice. You can only enter into God's kingdom through the king. The king makes it available. He offers an invitation. He invites us in. He says, listen to my words. Come to me. I offer forgiveness. I offer you a new day. His mercy is new every morning. And the curtain, the separation, God's anger has been dealt with on the cross. It was put upon Jesus. That's why Jesus was torn so that forgiveness could be made available. And I want to encourage you, when you make mistakes, you remind yourself of Jesus on the cross. No, my king has established a kingdom once and for all. And the righteousness of God has been poured out through Jesus Christ on the cross. And peace, I am right with God because of what God done, as God has done. And when we make mistakes, don't go and try and pick that curtain up and say, I'm going to put this curtain back up because of my shame, I'm not good enough. No, God tore that curtain once and for all to establish his curtain. So stop trying to put the curtain back up and, and remind yourself it's been destroyed once and for all. Now, I don't know about you, but that motivates me what not want to sin again because of this great king. And uh, some days I get it right, some days I get it wrong. But my motivation, because God has made me right, is to do what is right, not what is wrong. So maybe sometimes you pick that curtain back up. Maybe it's time to just not focus on the curtain and focus on Jesus and what he did on the cross for you. Jesus was torn for you so that you could be forgiven. So there's a there's a great king we talked about his values there's a great kingdom that has been established through jesus and is available through faith in jesus can i encourage you continue to put your life under the dominion of the king and follow jesus's teachings and i want to just finish now on this last one it's a great body you know paul in the new testament talks about as being a body of believers and I want to just touch on a few words of Jesus when Jesus is teaching what this great body, I believe, should look like. Now, you might have an idea what you think church should look like or the body of believers should look like. But as we mentioned earlier, the king has attributes, he has values, and these values should be established in his people or in his body. So Mark 10, 43 to 44, Jesus is talking to the disciples because they're kind of uh, having a conversation about who's going to be seated in these positions of authority these important places and Jesus says this in Mark 10 43 to 44 whoever wants to become great is this word among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave to all you know th- this is pretty revolutionary by the way you know when they're talking about having these positions of authority these great places of power and prestige and you know of who's gonna when the kingdom is established God and you know Jesus when you're on the throne and and we have this new kingdom can I sit next to you and Jesus just brings them down a peg or two (laughs) who needs to be brought down (laughs) Jesus just brings them down to the level of um of his values and he says if if you want to be great then you must be a servant He's kind of saying, look around at these people that are serving. Look at the people that are that wash feet. These are the values that I live by. And Jesus leaves them with an example of washing feet. I think it's a wonderful example. You know, God wants to establish a body, right? And this body is made up of what? People that serve one another. I just love it. Imagine everybody serving one another. Everybody considering one another, everybody caring for one another, everybody encouraging one another, everybody 
loving one on there. Go on, have a virtual hug right now. Come on, you need a hug. Everybody, look, not, 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 not the pasty, not the, no, not the welcome team, or not, not, not the, the social worker, or not, not the the hairdresser, not the whoever out there, but everybody serving one another, not, 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 not being having power or authority over them, as Jesus says, but actually coming and serving people. You know, Jesus had all power, he had all authority, but he laid them down. You know, when you look here, Jesus is dealing with an issue where they want to promote themselves over people. And uh, there's a Latin word in there, and it basically means this, you're campaigning for promotion. You know, how many of us campaign for promotion? You know, I don't know about you, but one of my favourite um, characters in a film, I know, bear with me on this, right? Give me a bit of grace. Is in Shrek, the donkey. He's constantly campaigning for promotion. You know, pick me, I'm here, Shrek. It's so annoying. Yeah, many of us, I think, often campaign for promotion. You know, we look for social recognition. We look for affirmation and, um, you know, approval from society, especially today. There's more pressure on social media to have likes and tweets and beeps or whatever, TikToks and everything that this gives me affirmation. Uh, society loves me. Society wants me. I'm needed. And I, we all almost try, if we're not careful, try and make ourselves great, try and make ourselves loved. Yet Jesus shows us an amazing principle here that we're to follow. Jesus is saying this, serve one another. Wow. It's not about your power and authority over people or elevating yourself. It's actually about your service to others. It's about giving your life for other people. You know, Jesus at the end of his life, it, it, it appeared he had no authority. He had no power. He had very no social recognition. You know, he was humiliated on the cross. Yet he was serving his life in love. He was dealing with our sin, dealing with the anger and showing great mercy. And I wonder sometimes if we get it wrong, I know I do sometimes, when I campaign for promotion, I campaign for approval, I look for, uh, you know, wanting to be needed. And at times you can even coax people into getting them onto your team or what you want to give you more approval, you've got more people. Yet Jesus sets an example of what great community looks like. And he even says this in verse 45, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. Here's the principle of Jesus. I want to encourage you in your life. If you're a believer this morning, let's establish this into uh, our communities. Jesus' goal was to put more into us than taking out. I mean, what an amazing thought. Jesus was willing to pour out more into us than that we could that that he could take out from us. You know what an amazing mindset to have. You know that you're going to be a person, we're going to be a person that we're going to sow and give and sacrifice and pay the cost and we're willing to pour in more than we can get out. You know sometimes if we don't get out what we want, we can get disappointed or disillusioned or discouraged. 
And sometimes we, we, we take our eyes off Jesus. Jesus never promises us those things. He never promises us, you know, social recognition or all those things. What he does promise is forgiveness of sins and the love of God and the affirmation through faith in Jesus Christ. And I wonder if sometimes we get lost. We get lost in the world looking for, campaigning for these things. And Jesus is saying, look, you can have these things if you want. And I don't think there's anything wrong with them. But just be careful that you're not doing it out of a wrong motivation. Make sure you're doing it to serve others and to love others. And I believe that's the key. Sometimes when our motivation is wrong, I think sometimes we get disillusioned or disappointed. So Jesus is saying, um, let us put more into others than what we're taking out. I think it's a great principle. You know, Jeremiah 45 verse 5 says this. It's Jeremiah talking to um, a scribe or a servant says this. Should you then seek great things for yourself? You know, do we want great community? Do we want great things? Absolutely. Does God want your life to be successful? Absolutely. Does he want to give you influence? Absolutely. Does he want to give you great things? Absolutely. But there's a fundamental key here, I believe. He says, should you not seek great things for yourself? He says, do not seek them. In other words, make sure our hearts, are in, our motivation is love, to help others and to love others and to care for others. You know, and I'm just going to finish with this scripture. It's from 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 6 to 8. And I just think it, it's a great um, scripture to understand if we're to see kingdom developed. It says this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each should consider what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I want to encourage you in God's kingdom, there's freedom, freedom to choose what you can give, freedom to choose what sacrifice and what cost you want to pay. So I want to encourage you as you follow this king of love and of mercy, make a choice in your life. Are you going to be someone who's willing to give and to sow into this community of believers, into the wider community? And I believe as you do that, you'll see God's love, you'll see God's kindness, and you'll see God touch people's lives as you're willing to share um, God's love. You know, Jesus gave his life on that cross to pay for our sin. He is the most wonderful gift we could have. He is a great king and he deserves all the praise. I'm going to go back to Romans 3 and read this and just thank Jesus for what he's done. And if you don't know Jesus, you can receive Jesus today and his forgiveness. For the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will triumph in victory over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray that you receive this gift. I'm going to pray that you've received the Spirit of God. I'm going to pray that maybe God reveals some truth in your life and that you would begin to gain victories in areas of your life because you have a great King who's full of great love and wants to help you live in victory. So Jesus, I pray right now. I thank you that you are the great King. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for serving us. You did not come to lord it over us. 
but you came to serve us, Lord. May we be a people, Lord, who learn to submit to you and trust you and walk in your ways. Father, help us to let go of the things that we're looking for that don't bring affirmation. And Lord, let us find it in you and you alone. Father, I pray right now for people to receive your truth, to know that they are children of God and love. Father, I pray that you fill them with your presence, fill them with your power. May they be people of victory, Lord, who are no longer you know, walking around lost or confused, but have insight, have revelation, have truth in their lives, and are living victorious, even though circumstances like Jeremiah may say that, um, that they're not going the way. We're still victorious because we find our love and our affirmation in you. So Jesus, thank you for the cross. We thank you. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. Jesus, help us to build great relationships, great community as we love and serve one another. Amen. You know, can I encourage you this week? Make an intentional choice to, to care for someone, to love someone. Send someone a text. Let's all keep loving one another and building a great community. We love you lots. God bless. Take care. See you soon.